The following podcast is scheduled for one fall. From the heart of Broadway and historic downtown Cape Girardeau, this is Pro Wrestling Unscripted. It's Wednesday, September 30th. No. All right. We'll do it again. No, we'll keep Hi. it. We'll keep it. <laughs> August 30th, 2023. I got September on the brain, and I'll tell you why here in a second. This is the return of Pro Wrestling Inscripted on the Podzilla 1985 Network. We've been gone for, what, two months now, I think, because... Close to six to eight weeks, something like that. I'm just going to level with you. If you didn't listen to the last PW, um, we just don't want to do it anymore because... No, or haven't in a while. Anyway, haven't in a while. Sure. Yeah, and part of that was because we were so jazzed about Triple H taking over and everything, all the good stuff he was going to do. When the merger happened with, uh, what, what was it? It's WWE and, what was the name of that company? I don't even remember anymore. Started with an E. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, the Enclave? You mean ECW? Yeah, that the was Enclave. It. Yeah, it was when WWE and I'm the sorry, Enclave I- got together. I'm distracted because I just noticed it's been it's been longer than that. The last PWU was uploaded on Thursday, June first. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you read the description of that show real it's, quick? It's been that long. Uh, that last PWU uh, says, "If you only listen to the first ten minutes of tonight's show, we want to assure you we do talk about wrestling eventually." <laughs> and that discussion involves a lengthy rant against the pimps over at the Missouri Athletics Commission. Jesus. CM Punk's return to AEW, which is ironic <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. The fallout from the most recent recent Blood Money Premium live event in Saudi Arabia and much more. Oh God! The only time we've referenced PWU since then was we did the the one after dark where it was, it was I want to believe the eighty five yeah. plays PWU after dark. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and then within a couple of weeks we did the first episode of Extras and Epilogues. It was July thirteenth. Yeah. Um. And and we were off to the races from yep. that point. So yeah, it's been since then. But we did think that tonight was an important night to come back and talk about wrestling with everything that's happened. My name is Shannon Young, by the way, Mr. 100. CCW's own Mr. 100, owner and operator, like uh, the guy in uh, Tombstone. I forget what his name is. You know the guy. Which one? The bartender. uh, Be him? Oh, oh, uh, I'm thinking the sheriff. No, it's Milt something. He's like owner owner and operator. By the way. Yeah, I know what you mean. If you're a fan of extras and epilogues, you should be. Uh, We got Tombstone Mm -hmm. on the agenda coming up at some point. So calm down. Yes. Calm oh, down. absolutely. Uh, tonight on <laughs> Extras and Epilogues, we're actually going to be talking about No Holds Barred. Uh, when wrestler Rip, <laughs> Rip, what was his name? It was like Rip Van, like Rip Van, Rip Van Winkle, Rip Van Dropkick. <laughs> like was his name? Man, the only thing I remember about that freaking movie is just him going, "What's that smell?" Smell. Dookie. Dookie. Uh, I think I mentioned my name. With me, of course, we have Double H, the original general manager of Cape Championship Wrestling and wrestling aficionado. That's what they tell me, anyway. Look, we're gonna make this. Quick. We're gonna make this quick. Well, they've tonight. been telling me since high school, and yet we haven't been into it in a while. <laughs> So, so back on PW, I want to talk about a couple things. We're not going to make this long, probably about 30 minutes. Um, normally on the show, we take the opposite approach to what Asa and Dalton do over on the nerdiest part of the ring. We talk about the thing we hate in wrestling the most this week because they bring the power of positivity. But things have been so negative in wrestling for the past week that I feel like we don't have to mention that. The stories we're going to talk about tonight are entirely the things that we hate about wrestling. Um, yeah, now the yeah. F- I, I legitimately sat and tried to figure out when, you know, what would be a good thing to mention because everything we're going to talk about sucks. 
to some degree. And then I recognize there's there's no point. Right. It's just beating a dead horse at that point. It's all bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. Um, (laughs) Let's start with the original bad news that we got last week, and that is the passing of Terry Funk. Um, Terry Funk passed away on August 23rd at the age of 79. And as we mentioned on a couple other shows, as opposed to Bray Wyatt, who we'll get to in a second, um, Terry Funk lived a long life. He's a legend. He did everything he wanted to do. It doesn't make his death any sadder. The fact that he died the way he did, suffering from Parkinson's disease and dementia, is very sad. Um, That is terrible. Neither one of those is something you ever want to have to contend with, but both of them at the same time. It's insane. Uh, it's 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 insufferable i mean quite literally you yeah. know michael j fox is probably the most famous uh person suffering from parkinson's and and while he's super positive and pushing through it living through it you can tell that he struggles with it regularly oh, yeah. now tack that on to mental issues yeah. and, and we're talking about <clears throat> literally not remembering your friends and family yep. around you and then yep. coming in and out of of that cloud every day so it's almost like your body and your mind are in the same sort of I promise I'm not making a pun. The same sort of funk. Yeah. Um, and, and they cannot, they, they can't function together. Um, it's, it's, it's horrible. My father, Willard Young passed away in his mid seventies and, uh, not, not much younger than Terry Funk when he passed away. And my father did suffer from dementia in the last, you know, five to 10 years of his life. And I, I watched my father deteriorate, um, mentally. And the scariest thing that ever, one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me, was he after my mom had passed away and it's a long story I'll, I'll spare all the details because some of these people that are involved are still alive others are not and there is a reason that it's not a joke on this show when i say i haven't spoken to my family in over 10 years that's not a joke i have no family both my parents are dead and i have no family other than Kaz. Uh, i have another cousin named gina that i i don't know as well but i do like her um, Kaz is my cousin. We're pretty sure. And I love him to death. But other than that, I haven't spoken to my family in 10 years, but one of the scariest things that ever happened with my father, right before he passed away after suffering from dementia is I went over to his house, he, or his apartment. He was living in an apartment, um, for reasons again, I won't discuss. And when I, when I knocked on the door and he opened the door, he opened the door with a pistol aimed at me. And this is a true story. He, he didn't recognize me. He aimed this pistol at me. He would say, you know, who are you? And he's demanding. And I had to calm my father down and tell him I was his son and convince him. That was scary. That was very scary. Yeah. Won't lie to you. Um, so I can only imagine what the family of, of Terry Funk was going through. And it's uh, it's devastating. It's devastating. Yeah, I, I can't pretend that I, I was the biggest Terry Funk fan in the world. I certainly didn't have anything against the guy. Uh, but, you know, I was only vaguely aware of stuff that he had done in terms of when I first got into to, to watching wrestling. And so you're talking late 90s into the early 2000s when the Internet is really just kind of taking off as a major wrestling community. Yeah. If, if you don't have access to those tapes, then you don't have access to people's careers. Right. So it wasn't until a lot later that I was able to through through documentaries, uh, WWE produced or otherwise, that I was really able to kind of appreciate um, Terry Funk's legacy. I mean, the, the he he's often credited as being the one to put ECW on the map. Now consider that ECW was the fledgling upstart crazy promotion. And here's a man who at that point in time was in his 
uh, what late forties, early fifties. Yeah. Uh, he wins the ECW title from Raven at their first big pay-per-view. And that was the moment that in a lot of ways, I think even Paul Heyman had said kind of legitimized them as an organization. Yeah. Um, he, over the course of the time that he wrestled, (laughs) which ended up being over 50 years in total, which is in and of itself insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, his last match was in 2017 with a group called big time wrestling. I I don't know anything of them. I think about that really quick. Think about that. 2017. We're not talking about 2007 or 1997. We're talking about six years yeah. ago when he was 73. He wrestled. Yes. Yes. <sighs> um, over 60 title reigns over the course of that career. I have, again, I'm not even going to try to recount all of them specifically, but right. to me, the thing that's, that's most impressive is that not only did he work for every company in some capacity, it was usually a, a fairly legitimate one. I mean, he had a whole separate character in WWF. He worked for WWF before that, back in the the eighties. Yeah, um, huge feud with Ric Flair for the NWA title in WCW. Again, yep. legitimized ECW. Yep. He he legitimately is the guy who went everywhere and did everything. Yeah, uh, and, and that's that's something that they can't take away from him ever, uh, and not neither can Parkinson's or dementia. A lot of people will often talk about Beyond the Mat as the best wrestling documentary of all time. And I agree with that. Barry Blostein, I always mispronounce his last name. Blostein, I think. Blostein. A lot of people, when they talk about that film, they talk about two things specifically. They talk about New Jack, because he was such a big part of it and had such a likable personality in that. You know, to offset against the fact that he was a colossal piece of garbage that uh, literally hurt people and put them in danger. But he was funny, Dalton. So, um... And Jake, the Look, I'm not gonna, I don't laugh every time I hear that. You ain't going to need him. You don't need your legs. Uh, <laughs> and I do too, but it doesn't make him any better. Right, uh, he's, still, he's still an asshole. He's still yes. a dick. And I'm like, <laughs> am, am I sad he's dead? Look, I'm sad most people are dead, but I'm not sure. really shedding a tear over it. Um, most. Most, not all. And and then Jake the Snake Roberts, him trying to get cocaine and all that. But what always stuck out to me yeah. in Beyond the Mat was Terry Funk. They it was this great segment about him wrestling what was gonna be I'm shit you not. This was his retirement match in the nineties. Yes. He yeah. had about thirty retirement matches and the the whole thing with him trying to get his friend to ref it and his friend saying I'm not booked, it's a classic, it's a meme at this point. Um I also <laughs> I also have a personal story about Terry Funk I want to tell. I put this on my Facebook, and I meant to tell it last week whenever we, we did the show and we talked about Terry. So I want to tell it now so I don't forget it again. Uh, I don't know if you saw this on my Facebook, but the true story. In 2015, I think it was 2015, I'm pretty sure, we were at Comic-Con. And this was before CCW had been invi- invented. It, it, honestly, actually, it might have been 2016. I think it was 2016 because I'm pretty sure at this point I was dating you know, somebody and um, we were at Comic-Con and they were throwing this, they were putting on this show. It was before CCW was invented. I think it was SICW and Ken Murphy and, and Jason and, and, and those guys had brought Terry Funk and Cowboy Bob Orton in. And I was at the convention at Comic-Con because Lindsay, I believe had a table there as she always does. And I think I was walking around with Tanner from the show, old friend. So we see we see Bob Orton and Terry Funk sitting over there, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Bob Orton and Terry Funk, you know, legends here in Cape Girardeau. What are they doing? And Tanner yeah. Tanner told me go talk to them. I'm like, I'm not gonna go talk to them. They, they, at this point, you have to remember that I had never worked in the wrestling business. The closest thing I had to working in the wrestling business was our podcast that you and I started with uh, Pro Wrestling Unscripted, and yeah, uh, I worked one event as security for WWF when they were in town. 
it, they went to yeah. St- Stephen Barry's. I happened to be there working. <laughs> they saw my size and were like, hey, do you want to work security for this? And I said, absolutely. So I got to meet a bunch of producers. They gave me a shirt. I hung out with Crime Time. Um, uh, I will always say JTG is cool, but man, was Chad was a legend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before we really knew each other. This is the weirdest thing, man. It was the same. If I remember correctly, it was the same day the Guitar Hero, Hero 2 came out because I was working at GameStop. And I came down there in my like it was we we launched it that day and we were allowed to wear like jeans and like you know stuff that and so I right. in the picture I have like a hat and a Guitar Hero shirt on that's awesome um, and those guys look like they are definitely there yeah uh, yeah well again I, I so not to, to go too much for they were uh, super nice but you could tell that they were just like let's get this thing going and, and I'm pretty sure that was just JTG like I said he was nice but Shad and I know Shad's passed away and I'm not saying this because he passed away was legitimately one of the nicest yeah. guys I've ever met he was so cool yeah, yeah. and I, I should have known I was destined for greatness at some point because as I was working the security for this event this guy walked up to me he's like aren't you a wrestler too and I, was, I said no I'm I'm not and he's like oh you should go work for Gateway Championship Wrestling was a thing out of Cape, uh, out of San louis which i don't think exists anymore yeah and uh unfortunately I, at the time I was are they there. not i don't think so no i think they they closed down um i know wrestle max is up huh. there and then kld and and uh, those guys in the forge and that kind of stuff um no but kidding. uh but Lindsay, who i was you know dating at the time she would not let me wrestle because of insurance and she was right and i wish she had you know kept that because goddamn do i hurt now but anyway back to the original story <laughs> so i see terry funk and um and uh, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton over there. Tanner's like, go talk to him. I don't want to bother them because, again, I don't work in wrestling. I do a podcast, whatever. But I know I'm going to regret it. It's the same thing as when Xavier Woods came to Gaming Grounds and hung out with us. And, and you were out talking to him in the parking lot. And I'm like, if I don't talk yeah. to him, I get a picture, I'm going to regret it. So <clears throat> yeah. I, I walk up to Terry and Bob. And I, I introduce myself and shake their hand. They're super nice. Both of them are super nice. And uh, I mentioned to them, the, you know, I do, a, I do a podcast. We talk about wrestling. And Terry said, oh, yeah, what's the name of your podcast? And I said, it's uh, Pro Wrestling Unscripted. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard of that one. And I thought, no, you have it. You sweet man. <laughs> I you remember this. Never, I remember you telling me this now. <laughs> never heard of this. No one's heard of this. This is back. I mean, we're talking I, a couple of months we've been like in Within in a year. Yeah. yeah. No one's <laughs> listening to the show at that point. <laughs> I forgot it was Terry Funk. I distinctly remember you telling me that story. I 100% forgot yep. that it was Terry Funk who said it. One of the nicest things that ever happened. He, said, he was such a nice guy. <laughs> he definitely said that to every person who ever said a podcast <laughs> title to him in his vicinity. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, I like that. I'm subscribed to it on Spotify, which I don't think existed at the time. So, um, yeah, oh, he, he, he couldn't have been nicer. He couldn't have been nicer. And. That's um, awesome. I, other than that one interaction with him, I never talked to him. I never got to work with him, unfortunately. But he, he was amazing. He, he was truly a legend. And I am yeah. sad. I am sad that he passed away. And it's such a kind of terrible way. But like you said, it does not in any way um, ruin his legacy. No. That that man is a no, legend through and through. That's a guy, exactly, who will, who will mm-hmm. never be, despite what his own brain might have done to him before he was gone, he himself will never be forgotten. No, no. And if it's true that when you die, you just relive the moments of your life for eternity, all the good stuff, he's got a lot of stuff to relive. He's so. Yeah, he's going to be busy for a while. <laughs> uh, and man, we thought that was the bad news. Well, unfortunately, life, yeah. life had another idea because what was it literally the next day or two days later? So within a couple of days there, we lost Terry Funk. We lost Bob Barker, Bob who Barker. of course had his own tangential connection uh, to wrestling. I'll, yeah. I'll never, ever forget Chris Jericho with the Price is Right tag on his own bare chest. Yep. Um, we lost Arlene Sorkin, 
who yep. of course voiced Harley Quinn. Created um, Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you and then to take it back to wrestling, because I mean, literally one day after Terry Funk passed away, we get the news that that Bray Wyatt had passed. Wyndham Rotunda, who he was never really known as in in wrestling. Um, and this one again, really just. If the Terry Funk one came out of nowhere, it was only because you hadn't thought about the fact that Terry Funk was close to death in a while uh, because of his age and because of the the things he was going through. If this one came out of nowhere, it was for every reason under the sun because no one expected Bray Wyatt to die. 36. We knew that he'd had some health issues. Yeah, he was 36 years old. There, there were reports, I should say, that we didn't know, but there were reports that he'd been he'd been dealing with a heart condition, which is nothing to laugh at um, and, and nothing to sneeze about. And that, that he really was basically just doing everything he could to get back into the company and back into the ring. He never worked anywhere other than WWE. Um, in fact, the rumors were within, I mean, weeks of this happening that he was gearing up for an in-ring return that his own father, uh, Mike Rotunda, IRS, WWE Hall of Famer had suggested that, yeah, he's, he's almost ready to go. He's coming back. Um, Bray had really a story that came to an abrupt end earlier this year, you know, and, and we talked about this a little bit last Thursday, but despite what you may have thought about the fiend and the uncle Howdy stuff and, and him coming back and the firefly Funhouse, um, <clears throat> you always like to imagine it was going somewhere. I mean, you and I said that often on this show, Yeah, it's going somewhere, it's right? Going somewhere. Like even if you yeah. get frustrated with it, you're like, okay, well this, this is dumb, but it's gotta be going somewhere. Going? This guy's too smart for this. Yeah. It's super creative. Um, so he had beaten LA Knight at, at the Royal Rumble. Rumble. There were still hints that um, more was happening with him and now Bobby Lashley and maybe Brock Lesnar before WrestleMania. And then abruptly Bray Wyatt just disappeared. And I, um, I remember that Lashley, specifically with Lashley because I thought the rumor yeah. at the time, so I didn't mean to cut you off, but I will say the rumor at the time mm, was mm-hmm. that he walked out, that yeah. Wyatt walked out on creative because there was a disagreement. Yeah. We, we now know that's not true. And what actually right. happened is what you're about to, to talk to us about. Yeah, so basically, um, we we find out at a later point in time through Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful, who's, who's been pretty reputable, um, that Bray uh, had a bout with COVID, so he, he already had an, an existing heart issue. And I don't think we've ever gotten explicit, uh, explicit clarification on what that was, no. but the the suggestion was that because he, he apparently has a weakened ventricle and i don't remember if it's a lower or left it's lower. one of those two it started with an L. lower it's low okay yeah so so basically his heart's not pumping blood properly which yeah. is already dangerous in and of itself especially for someone who does physical work like professional wrestling right you have covid uh the the effects of which are still we're still trying to figure out especially long covid um but this is the kind of thing that has been reported that if you have an existing health issue it can really just latch onto it and and exacerbate it and make it worse um so that had been the case it goes further than that though because tmz gets even more details not long afterward freedom of information act puts everything out there sooner or later so right. the word is bray had been getting around with a uh, um a portable defibrillator that he was wearing on his person at all times. Basically, if if his heart gives up, this thing will sense it, and then it will go off to bring him back. And then, of course, you go get emergency medical attention. Um, he went to lay down for a nap. Shannon, I did I did go look into it. He was indeed dating JoJo from WWE because they kept saying his partner. And I was right. like, he's got to be married to her. They have kids and, and all this. And uh, they weren't. Uh, reportedly, they were engaged, but they weren't married yet. Um, and had been together since 2017. But anyway, he goes and lays down for a nap one day last week, 
His alarm starts going off. This goes off and on for about an hour before she finally goes to check on him. And lo and behold, he had passed in his sleep. He had turned blue. He was basically already gone by the time she found out. The defibrillator, the portable one, was found in his car. And so, again, no one knows for sure. We'll never know for sure. But the the suggestion is that he just forgot it. He just forgot that he had it. It wasn't that he, he intentionally left it or anything like that. Um, and so that, that's how he, he ended up passing. Uh, 36 years old is too young for anybody to go out. I, you know, in a lot of ways, 79 is too young for anybody to go out. But for this guy who was just literally in the, the sort of prime of his life um, and doing everything he could to get back to a place that he loved. Again, he never worked anywhere but WWE. Right. Uh, came in through... Came in through NXT, was a part of that that famous the class. original NXT, yeah, yeah the, Husky Harris, the, uh, the game show, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I don't even think he was Husky Harris at the time, wasn't he? He might have been. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember much about the original NXT. He um, he was Husky Harris there. Now I don't know. He might have briefly gone by Wyndham Rotunda on NXT. I but, think he um, was at he least was like Harris. Alex Rotunda or something like that at one point. Some something like yeah, that. Sure. Um, yeah, obviously, the he, brother of Bo Dallas. We'll throw that out there. In yes, who, who of course was playing Uncle Howdy uh, right. there for a while at the end of, of his career. Um, Husky Harris, I'm sorry, I can't get over it. Do you remember, I didn't until they started showing screenshots, that Husky Harris's thing was that he was the army tank with the Ferrari engine? That was his tagline. It was on a shirt that he was this basically this you know big, bulky, tough guy, but he could move really fast. Basically, Kevin Owens. But True. What a what a... What a phrase! What a what a turn! The army tank with the Ferrari engine. I I just like the turnaround of you know from that to Bray Wyatt, the, <laughs> the eater of worlds. Yeah, and and again, it's not that everything he did was perfect and that he was infallible. No, of um, course not. I personally did not like the eater of worlds stuff. I hated the holograms. I hated the kids. I hated the whole world in his hands. I hated the match he did with John Cena at WrestleMania that everyone talks about and loves. I hated it. I despised it. I thought it, like, was it entertaining? Yeah, I I believe it was entertaining. But, like, I thought it was dumb. I thought the idea that they're traveling through dimensions, it was dumb. To me, as a wrestling purist, you you were... I was taking the Jim Cornette You were entertained in the same way... Well, I was going to say, you were entertained in the same way that you were entertained by the Ultimate Deletion. Yes. As a wrestling match, you hated it. As a YouTube clip that you can watch endlessly from the memes, it's worth it. It was hilarious. Yes. (laughs) But there was also stuff that he did that I absolutely loved. I loved the Bray Wyatt original character before he was the Eater of Worlds, when he was the, you know, he was was Kaz. I hate to say it, but he was Kaz. Like, uh, Kaz and I used to do... Kaz's characters for things. Yeah, absolutely. We used to do an online wrestling federation, and he basically was Bray Wyatt. He was that kind of crazy cult leader. And so it was a lot like that. I loved... I actually liked The Fiend a lot. His original intro against... um, uh, Finn, Balor Finn Balor was yeah. epic, epic. I mean, like, it was a horror movie. It was a, it horror, was a movie. horror movie in professional oh. wrestling, you know, where people always said that was the Undertaker. No, the Undertaker was a supernatural force, but he was never really a horror movie. He was just kind of creepy. He was a force. The Fiend was quite literally. Can we can we make wrestling into a horror show? And they I mean, could. you remember there was an episode, or not an episode, but an edition of Extreme Rules that was called the, the horror, horror show, show at Extreme yeah. Rules, almost exclusively because of the Fiend. Yep. And, you know, he had the great remix of his theme. He came out with that incredible uh, lantern that was Bray Wyatt's face, which was his head. Horrific. Yes. Um, Yes. And the mask itself was designed by, or at least helped designed by Tom Savini, 
who is yeah. you know uh, one of the all time greats. That's very very cool. And, Works and I, not just with all of, <laughs> of of the great horror, uh, you know, directors and stuff, but also with uh, Slipknot, if I remember yeah. correctly, he does a bunch of stuff for for them. And I think my favorite Bray Wyatt moment, and the one that I'll take with me forever, was, um, and I know it was setting up an angle, but he, a lot of people have gone on record as saying that Bray wanted to go out there and speak from his heart just for once, and it's the the promo he did when he came yeah. back. Uh, as the Uncle Howdy stuff, because he came back with the really creepy door and all that, but then he came out on SmackDown Mm -hmm. and just cut this impassioned promo about, you know, thinking that nothing he had done there mattered, and then seeing people who said, you know, my life's terrible, you helped me get out of this, and, you know, he said, I can honestly say that when I was lost, you all found me, and it's this really amazing promo, and I remember, you know, I I don't always agree with Jim Cornette. Oh yeah. Sorry, we we didn't even talk about it. I just want to I want to clarify. We didn't even mention he got fired. Yeah. Like he worked then, for WWE. He was doing this huge the fiend was a huge deal. He was the champion. He drops the belt to Goldberg, but they're still making him practically invincible. And then bam, in the middle of that summer, cut loose. Well, okay, so Randy Orton sets him on fire, and then Orton is feuding with Alexa Bliss of all people. And Bliss sits yeah. on the box. The burned fiend comes out. He magically turns back into regular fiend. And I thought, okay, they're going somewhere with this. But then Alexa Bliss starts bleeding black goo from her head from the crown of thorns. And then Bray Wyatt's gone. And that's it. That was yeah. it. That was it for the Bray yeah. Wyatt and the fiend. It was so bizarre. Yeah. It took Triple H getting into charge to bring him back. And that's what brought us to that impassioned promo, uh, promo where yeah. he actually got to say, look, you know, I was lost too. He kind of yeah. hinted at the real world there for a minute and kind of got out of his persona. And like you said, it was just incredible. It was one of the best promos I've ever seen. It was so from the heart. And it really, it showed you that Bray Wyatt could absolutely keep you in the palm of his hands just by talking not yeah. not a lot of people can do that uh i think i'm one of them i'm proud to say that's my exterior expertise <laughs> uh brandon barbwire is like that uh there's there's a lot of guys that are so good jeff odell is like that here in ccw there's guys that are so good at promos and he's one of them yeah. and that that moment really like i i just i'll always remember that promo because to me i mean you could tell how much that meant to him and even though well, i did also no, go ahead. I'll just You're say, good. even though I didn't agree with everything that came after that, like with the storyline, I hated the Mountain Dew match. It was bad. Uh, Uncle Howdy was kind of yeah. bad. It got weird. Um, Jim Cornette, who I don't always agree with, but I do sometimes, even he, you know, when they were talking about the passing of Bray Wyatt, and I remember this when the promo happened, uh, Brian Lass was very much like, this is going to be terrible. It's just going to be terrible again because that's what always happens with Wyatt. They do something and then it ends up being terrible. And Jim Cornette was such a fan of that promo and, and mentioned how he's so good. And they mentioned that when they were kind of eulogizing him. Uh, eulogizing is that a word? Yeah, you got it. Wow. Anyway, um, he yeah. was he was a once in a lifetime talent, is what I'm trying to say. And it, I it, it it makes me sadder that this father of four with a fiance and the whole life ahead of him passed away. That makes me sadder than the performer dying. The character will live yes. on forever, but Bra- you know Wyndham Rotunda himself. That's the tragedy because everything we've heard from, I never got to work with him, but everything I've heard from everybody is he was an amazing person, kind, funny. He he was the best of the best. Sorry, Austin. He smelled incredible. Sorry, Uh, sorry. I think I told you guys about this. One of of the last, one of the last uh, WWE live events that I attended was a house show in Cape. Other than the one, the, the raw that you and I went to earlier this year, uh, there was a house show in Cape, not this past one that was a couple weeks ago or last weekend or whatever, but um, 
some time ago. Uh, and and Jake and I, Danny, Danny, Jake and I went to that, and we were very close to the front. Bray was in the main event. He got very close to us as he came by, and we both looked at each other as he went past and went, "Was that him? That smells delightful." <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, I think it was the hair. Something about the stuff he put in his hair smelled really good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, not the point. Uh, yeah, the, the man himself is is the the loss to grieve here. Not that the the wrestling world isn't losing a lot too, but but like you said, the point really is that. Uh, just real quick to to kind of wrap this up to the to the point of the person, um, and it ties right into that. I kind of even wrote it there on the on the notes that I put together before we got in that. Um, assuming that Bray was coming back, and assuming that all the 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 stuff we've heard is true, all the speculation is accurate that he was suffering from this heart condition. Um, he probably was never going to be able to wrestle again. I mean, realistically, if you're, if you have a heart condition like that, it's just not reasonable. It's part of the reason that triple H had to hang his boots up. Right. Right. I mean, that's, he's been very dodgy about what specifically his, his heart issue was, but if you have heart issues, you generally don't get back in the ring. Right. Um, what a force he would have been in creative. Yeah. Because I've said it a couple of times now and, and we've been talking about it ever since uh, even really before his passing that, that Bray, um, is to me, I, I, this is one of my favorite analogies of anything, that he's the Dan Aykroyd of professional wrestling. Dan Aykroyd is such a great comedian, um, but he's not necessarily a great writer. He's got a lot of ideas, but he writes a phone book when what he needs is a pamphlet. Mm. And so he needed people like uh, Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis, we were just talking about this last, last night, night, to make yeah. Ghostbusters happen, to, yeah. to pull it together. Bray Wyatt had all these great ideas and under Vince McMahon, I think he was a little too constrained under triple H. I think he was a little too off the chain, but uh, imagine a guy who is not having to write just for himself, who gets to come in and work with a team who maybe gets to help pull a team together himself and says, here are the ideas I have. Try to help me make them workable. Yeah. Yeah. He needed that. How incredible would that be? I mean, it would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, one of my my because you were talking about your favorite moment of Bray, one of my all time favorites, and it's such a, a little thing to pick out. I know we've talked about it before, uh, but he's one of those guys who's so good at detail and attention to detail. And we saw this all the time with the fiend, the QR codes and the hidden puppets in the backgrounds and and on the messages and all this. Uh, this one was blatant, and yes, it was, and, and yet it was small, and it was so effective. That time that he teamed with Roman Reigns, the tag team match with Roman Reigns against uh, Sheamus, and I want to say Rusev because it was against the when they were the the League United, of Nations or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So so basically, it was Bray and Wyatt were kind of the the unlikely bedfellows. Like they they didn't get along, but they had to get along to deal with the stable. Uh, they go to win this tag team match. Wyatt hits Sister Abigail on I think uh, uh, Rusev and has him down. He goes to pin him. Seamus comes in to cover it, and the camera just barely catches Wyatt while he's got his arm over it, lift his fingers up like a gun, and cock the hammer back and fire it at the same time that Reigns spears the shit out yeah. of Seamus. It's such a cool moment. It's just a quick One little million. thing. And again, yeah. they don't get along, but it looks so good. Yeah. It gets me every time. I always it gets wondered me every time that I see it. I've seen that clip a million times in the past like five days, and it's just there's no oh, it gets me every time. There's no, no way in hell they could have timed that so perfectly on purpose. So I part of me has to think that Wyatt saw it coming and just decided that would be cool if he pointed at him and did Made that. The call. Exactly. The and same he was moment. right. Yeah. <laughs> it's iconic. Uh Bray Wyatt, like yeah, Terry Fox, so is good. iconic. And, and I am sad. I 
know we talk about the man, but yeah, from a wrestling perspective, the fact that we were robbed of, you know, 20, 30 years of Bray Wyatt in the business beyond this um, yeah. is, is terrible. But I'll, I'll, just to switch gears, because we said we were going to do 30 minutes. It's been 31 minutes. We're not going to stay here forever. But um, talking about Bray Wyatt and the shame that we, we won't have him around in the business anymore. Can we talk about somebody that we shouldn't probably have in the business anymore? <laughs> I was hoping that's where this Hunter, go. I'm going to take a drink of this whiskey. Please tell us what's on my mind. All right, I'm going to try to lay out a timeline for you here. So um, AEW puts on a pay-per-view every year event called All In. Uh, during All In, uh, in a backstage segment, or not a segment, in a, in a backstage situation, CM Punk got into a fight with other AEW talent uh, with whom he might have an issue because they've been there longer than he has and, and they might think that he's eclipsing them and he might have a chip on his shoulder about all of this. Now people are suspended. It has changed storylines uh, and Tony Khan is scrambling to figure out what to do. Am I talking about 2022 or 2023? <laughs> because either of these could be accurate. Um yeah, if you remember the infamous uh, brawl in situation. Now I keep saying that. Was it not all in? I keep now I'm reading it's all out. It was brawl out. Yeah, happened. brawl out. Brawl. All, all okay. in. Okay, I so it's not it's... the exact same show. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, give the man a little credit. It's just a show where uh, CM Punk got in his feelings and got in a fight. Oh my if god! If you can't okay, tell so here's the difference the t- between them. <laughs> The problem's with me, honestly. You're the reason. So here's the timeline as best I can lay it out for you. Okay. 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 A few weeks ago, you got AEW Collision, right? Their Saturday night show, Mm. which has never been explicitly called CM Punk's show, but it's CM Punk's show, right? They basically created it so he would come back into the fold after his fucking fight with uh, the Young Bucks and and, uh, uh, Kenny Omega last year. At Brawl Out. So they create this. Yeah, yeah. They're going to do this sort of like semi roster split. Punk gets to play with his friends on Saturday. Everybody else works on Wednesdays and hopefully everyone will be happy. Right. So in the midst of that, you got Jack Perry, who's trying to get out of this Jungle Boy gimmick. He's trying to get more serious, trying to change the, his, his image. He is in this feud with Hook, and they're going to do this spot that involves a real pane of glass, not a gimmicked piece of glass. They're gonna, one of them's going through some glass. It's supposed to happen, and again, you got to understand that almost all of this is rumor or speculation, so I'm just telling you what we've read. All these parts are moving constantly. The word is that this was supposed to happen on Dynamite that week, and it got approved. However, they didn't have time for it, so they said, hop in the car, head over to where they're doing Collision on Saturday. We're going to move your segment to Collision. It gets to Collision, and the spot gets vetoed. You guys can have the match, but you can't do it with the real glass. And the word is that it's CM Punk himself who says, you know, we don't do that. We don't use glass like that. We don't need blood here. And that further goes on to say that basically he thinks that Perry's trying to get out of work and shows. So he'll go through the glass. He'll get hurt. And then he won't be able to work another show. Now, that's, again, where any of that is coming from is is all up to speculation. Right. So right. this all happens. It pisses off Jack Perry. And presumably pisses off CM Punk because he tried to do it in the first place. I don't know. All this leads up to All In this past Sunday. They're in London. They're at Wembley Stadium. It's a huge show. It's one of the biggest things AEW's ever done. One of the biggest shows they've ever done. Yeah, this was the thing, man. 
Yes, this was where all the attention should have been. So Punk and some of the other talent already in bad mood because nobody was at the Heathrow Airport to pick them up. Say what you will about that. There's been clarification. Supposedly, oh, we never said that there would be. Yeah, but it's courtesy to do it. Whatever. Presumably, this puts Punk in a worse mood than he just generally is as a person nowadays. <laughs> just in general. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Then he just wakes up that way for some reason, even though he's, you know, married to AJ Lee, apparently has a great home life, has a hugely successful past career, and could have called it quits when he was doing well, but that's not the point right now. Um then <laughs> here's what sets it off. Jack Perry has his match at all in with Hook. They have a car that's up on the stage. They're doing like a like some kind of a hardcore match of some type. I don't know. I didn't watch the show, I'll be honest with you. Uh at one point in time, I've watched the clip. They show a picture in picture of something that just happened and Perry live who goes over this car and he wraps his knuckles on the windshield, then looks into the camera and says, and you can read his lips. It's very clear what he says, real glass, go cry me a river. Yeah. A minute later, he puts hook through that windshield with the suplex or hook puts him through. I couldn't tell which one happened. It was one of the two. I didn't watch it for that long. This is obviously to rile up CM Punk. So, of course, as soon as Perry gets backstage, the two of them meet up. They get into a verbal altercation, which turns into a physical altercation. Uh, the only word there is that Punk apparently choked Perry out at some point in time. I don't think he literally choked him out to unconsciousness, but whatever. In the aftermath of all that, they ask Jack Perry to leave the arena because Punk has a match. They're talking about shuffling the schedule around. The CEO, or, uh, Samoa Joe support, supposedly is the one who talks Punk into going ahead and getting their match done. So they do their match. As soon as it's over, Punk himself is also asked to leave or ordered to leave, depending on the, the you know version of this that you're reading. In the aftermath of all that, we find out they've both been suspended again. Punk apparently only found out through his lawyer because a uh, rumor has it that Tony Khan now is finally recognizing he cannot take sides on all of this and that maybe he is finally kind of losing his relationship with is, Punk. Is um, he the problem, Hunter? <laughs> no, it's the entire roster who is wrong. Dalton will appreciate that one. Um uh, they have an episode of, of Dynamite in Chicago tonight, and unless something has changed in the past little bit, CM Punk is not at it, which is insane. You're running Chicago, and you have CM Punk on your roster, and he's not there. But again, if he's suspended, and they're going to make him stick to it. Um, supposedly, this is really going to be bad for Ricky Starks, because the rumor was that he uh, was going to face... Uh, Punk for the quote-unquote real AEW championship at their next pay-per-view, uh, then that didn't happen, or won't be happening now because, again, he's not going to be there. Also, I, sorry, I'm I'm talking and I'm skimming all the results. CM Punk was 100% not in Chicago tonight at Dynamite. So, I guess you could basically confirm he's suspended and, and shit has gone down. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no doubt. In fact, it's it's just he all even, chaos, man. Uh, the rumor is, I don't know how much of it is a rumor and how much of it is absolutely true, but apparently Punk, after the fact, told anybody that would listen that he hates e AEW. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, totally he, forgot that, that he was shouting. He was like, like a child running yeah. around saying, I hate this place. Yeah. What's the old... Uh, I heard an old saying. Then leave! Well, like, I, I guess this is an old saying, but it definitely worked for this. Uh, it said, if you run into an asshole in your day, you ran into an asshole. If you run into uh, a bunch of assholes in a day, you're the asshole. Um, 
in the in the sense yeah. that how many yeah. times can Punk get involved in you know uh, altercations like this before someone goes maybe you're the problem and this is one right. of those this is one of those parts where I will absolutely disagree with Jim Cornette who I do listen to and find it very entertaining he absolutely took Khan to task for this which he should it is Khan's fault in the end uh, and he took uh, Jack Perry to to task for you know starting shit and like if you're gonna disrespect me of course he's gonna you know why are you suspending your top guy for this little pissant who decided to pick a fight well I I can't disagree with that more because you're talking about CM Punk a guy who has made his career on taking pot shots at people whether it be on the mic whether it's in an angle like he did with John Cena when he did the pipe bomb or. When he went after Hangman Page after a show for no reason at all, when Page hadn't said anything about him, this is after the suspension, and Punk decided to be a little bitch and go out there and, you know, run down Hangman Page, who had nothing to do with anything that he was doing. And then when Jack Perry does the same thing to Punk... Punk gets so he mad, he can't take it. He picks a fucking fight with him. He can't Punk, handle it. He is so thin-skinned. And as I look back at his career, I'm starting to think he was always that way. Look at his interviews with Colt Cabana. Look at the interviews he's done, the promos he's done. He's built his career on picking at people, but he absolutely cannot take it when people pick back. He, as, no, he as loves the, to dish it out, but he can't take it. As the sign at All In said, Pepsi is a soft drink. And that CM and I love Pepsi for the record. And that CM Punk is the best in the world at being a little bitch. Look, I was a big CM Punk fan. I really was. I absolutely. I, I was straight edge at the time. I put X's on my hands like Punk did. I idolized him in a lot of ways. Um, somebody that kind of represented things I believed on TV. But at this point, we're all adults here. He being the biggest adult out of all of us because he's the oldest one. And the adults in the room can't keep his hands to himself, can't not pick a fight when someone gets in his feelings. And I don't care how much money he makes you, if you have a toxic toad, rad toad, sitting in your locker room and he's ruining the morale of other people, he's got to fucking go. CM Punk has admitted, has admitted that he sent Ryan Nemeth home. He said that he sent Christopher Daniels home. Christopher Daniels, who is the like the talent relations guy, he is the head of talent relations, and see him punk had him removed from collision because of what happened at All Out. So you're telling me that the guy you put in charge of his own show because you're such a fucking mark sends your head of talent relations home and you're okay with that? What a no. coward. I, go back... And watch the the scrum where Tony Khan was building up CM Punk and talking about how he won them the, the Friday Night War. He did all these things, and Punk is sitting there with this bewildered look on his face while Khan is literally saying, fucking Punk is fucking rocking it, let's fucking go, and all that. Like a fucking child. Of course he's, he's, he's kissing Punk's ass. He is the biggest fucking mark in wrestling. He's one of those guys that... I know a guy once that got a lot of money because of a settlement because he was in an accident. He took that money and opened up a comic slash card shop, what have you, magic and that kind of stuff because he loved it. And he went out of business before too long because he had no idea how to run a fucking business. That's Tony Khan. He loves wrestling so much. He's a fucking mark for it. He has enough money to spend that he doesn't have to worry about it right now. But if this cancer continues in the locker room, at some point you are going to see things get much, much worse. And it's going to be an embarrassment. And once his daddy figures out that this is happening see how fast money gets pulled and how fast Khan is replaced it's going to be armageddon in aw if they don't clear this shit up at some point so absolutely 
One hundred percent. No, no. I, I mean, that's you. You made the points. There's really nothing else to, to say about it. <laughs> CM Punk uh, has, for a while now, been the biggest mark in the world for himself, right? Yes. And in a way, you have to be as a professional wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. to some degree, you have to be with humility. But yeah, that's and that's and there sense. therein lies the difference. Yeah, it, it also doesn't help when the guy who's running the company is pumping you up constantly and not holding you accountable for stuff. Oh, and, and people will say, oh, he was suspended for all of these things too. Yeah, but it's kind of like those cops who get suspended with pay for a full year while they do the investigation. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, he kind of just sits oh. on his ass for a little while and collects a paycheck. Yeah. And then makes it sound like he's the one who has been victimized and, in all of this. And it's then not, 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 the same thing. not only comes back, but comes back with his own show that they've given him yeah. as a make good because they had to suspend him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, man, exactly. It, it start. Jim Cornette is right about one thing. It starts and ends with Tony Khan, dude. It's your fucking company. Yes. You were the boss at the end of the day. Get your balls up and make this right. Like, fire CM yeah. Punk. Or if you're not going to fire CM Punk, then put that motherfucker on notice that if anything like this happens again, you're out. He already told Andrade El Idolo and Sammy Guevara, "Don't do anything stupid. I'm not going to fire you." Andrade punches Sammy. What did Andrade get? He got sent home with pay. Um, because he yep. wasn't, he wasn't going to fire him because if he fires him, then that just sends the message not. that you punch a guy and you can get out of this contract. Uh, right. I, I don't envy Tony Khan because running a business is not easy. I, I running a wrestling promotion is not easy. I know I run a wrestling promotion, smaller scale. Absolutely. But dealing with sure, so but. many people and egos and shit, it does get old, but like, come on, man. Right. If we ever had somebody in CCW that was that much of a cancer, his ass would be out and just would not be invited back. I don't care how much money he makes. No, that's all I got to no, say. Because you can't. Yeah. You can't. You can't. You can't put the business ahead of, or you can't put one guy ahead of the rest of the business. It's no, just not reasonable. Punk's not going to be around forever. And someone, someone said, someone said that CM Punk to AEW right now is Hulk Hogan to WCW in the late nineties. Not true. Not true in a couple of ways. And a lot of people said, well, Punk's not a racist piece of shit. Okay, fair point. However, Hulk Hogan never picked fights backstage. If you ever talk to anybody in wrestling, most people will say Hogan was the nicest guy who helped them out at any, you know, whatever. Yeah, he played politics. Of course he did. He was a fucking asshole about it. But whenever politics didn't work or someone took a shot at him out there, he never put him in a chokehold or tried to beat him up. And he probably could have because he's a big guy. Punk if you're working in a fucking fake sport with predetermined outcomes, you cannot literally physically fight people backstage because they said something that hurt your feelings. When you've made your entire career right. out of hurting people's feelings, like grow the fuck up. It's I'm surprised when, when Tony Khan was talking about, you know, okay, this is collision. You can say whatever the hell you want. Punk didn't go jizz because he could <laughs> say whatever the hell he wants. Oh, shot. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Now I'm, tell me. I was already angry. Now I'm angrier. I'm pissed now. I'm pissed now. Hey, your t-shirts are too <laughs> tight, Billy. Let's let's stop talking. Can we wrap it up? Uh, it seems like a good that's idea. That's a good place to wrap point. it up. Alright, that's gonna do it for us tonight. Last night we did do another great episode of PZ85 Plays Curse of Strahd. Um I came back, spoiler alert, it was a lot of fun. Hunter got sprayed with blood. It's a lot of fun. Go listen. It did. Um 
tomorrow we've got an all new After Dark, and then Friday we are going to horse around just a bit, and then we may have a special announcement, something really cool coming up um, with with the Casman, but we'll save that for we know for sure. Yes. So until then, for myself, for Double H, and the ghost of what CM Punk used to be, thank you guys. We'll see you tomorrow for all new After Dark. Until then, please take care of each other. Be fucking adults. And Hunter, take us out. Five Finger Death Punch is music for divorced punks. Yeah. <laughs>